We have just gotten out of a series called In Gloucester As It Is In Heaven. Everybody say, In Gloucester As It Is In Heaven. And basically what the whole series was about was it was about the Sermon on the Mount. It was about the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus wants us to love him and love others. Put simply, God wants better for our marriages. He wants better for our friendships. He wants better for our kids. He wants better for our finances. He wants better for our personal character and everything in between. And we are here as a church praying that as it is in heaven, no more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow, that that would be the case for a lot of us in Gloucester City, amen? That's where we've been, and so now we're moving on to our next series called Come Holy Spirit. So the last, last series, all about how Jesus wants us to, to behave, how he wants us to follow him, how he, wants us, how he wants our lives to look, and now in this series, Come Holy Spirit is gonna be all about how he wants us to do that, right? The Holy Spirit is the person who tells us how to follow Jesus, amen? So some of us might have questions during last series of, you know, how can I heal from past traumas? How can I heal from past abuse? How can I heal from sins others who have, sins others have committed against me? How can I heal from destructive decisions? How can I heal from just coming out of addiction? How can I heal from, um, just all the broken relationships. How can I build trust again, right? All that stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. Just to reiterate, we're going to go over our scripture and read it one more time just so that it's fresh in everybody's mind and everybody has an exact idea of what we're talking about. It says in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, it says, I pull it back up on the screen, Johnny. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Verse 17. He is the spirit of truth, and the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Amen. So listen, first and foremost, to kick off this series, Jesus is starting off after the Sermon on the Mount, after everything he's just told thousands of people, young men, young women, and children, I want you to do this, I want you to behave this way. He is giving us a promise. He's given us a lifetime guarantee. He says, if you love me and keep my commandments, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you a counselor. He will give you a helper. He will give you an advocate. In other words, he's given us a lifetime guarantee. Now, I know at home, I got in my closet, it is a drill. And on that drill, I go and pick it up, and I look at the bottom, and it says lifetime guarantee on it. So what that means is I could take my drill, and if it breaks, if it falls down the steps, if I drop it in water, and it breaks, and it no longer chooses to work anymore, I can send that drill away, and they'll send me a brand new one for free. And that's what Jesus is doing right here. He's saying, listen, if you love me, if you keep my commands, and you are broken, you admit to me you need help. You admit to me that you need a counselor. You admit to me that you need forgiveness in this life because it's hard to walk through life without a helper and without a counselor, amen? If you do that, I'm going to give you this helper, this Holy Spirit, and it has a lifetime guarantee. He will be there with you forever. 
and ever and ever for eternity. And so who is the helper? Who is the Holy Spirit? Please, Dylan, just tell us. And there's two ways to look at it. All right. First is theologically, and the second is practically. All right, and the Holy Spirit, now, there's, there's a little bit sometimes of, of ambiguity, right? Because we talk about the Holy Spirit in church, and a lot of times what happens is, is we say, okay, who's the Holy Spirit? And we're like the kids in the back of the class who aren't paying attention, right? What happens to the kids in the back of the class? The teacher tries to catch them off guard, and they say, yo, hey, uh, what was the answer to this question that I just asked? And what do the kids do? They go like this. And their jaws are on the floor, and they don't know what to say. And sometimes that's what happens to us when we say, you know, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit in, in the Bible versus who is the Holy Spirit that everybody else is telling us about, you know? And what I want to say is when there is ambiguity in our faith, when there is ambiguity in what the Holy Spirit is, it leads us down a path that is deceptive. Amen? It leads us to a path in which people are easily able to take advantage and deceive us. Right? Here's what I'm talking about. Prosperity gospel preachers. Preachers that say, when the praises go up, blessings come down. If you give now, God will bless you in your finances. If you give to this, God will give you X amount of dollars. Right? Liar. Second one is... is a type of retribution theology. And all that means is, you know, the Holy Spirit, if you're not behaving right, he's going to strike you down. Right? If, if you're behaving good, if you're a good person, you get to go to heaven. Liars. Right? Liars. We need to be grounded in a biblical view of who the Holy Spirit is. None of us, and let me just disclaimer. None of us are able to ever fully understand God and who the Holy Spirit is. If I did, if I could explain who the Holy Spirit was in entirety and just, just exude all this information, I would be God, right? Because I would know everything. I would know how the whole entire universe works. I would know how the mind of God works, how the mind of Jesus works, and X, Y, Z, but I'm not God. What we have is the scriptures, what Jesus has given us to look at, as a manual, as a guide to open up and say, okay, this is who the Holy Spirit is to be in my life. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit is, is he is God. In Acts chapter 5, he is God. Peter uses the terms interchangeably between the Holy Spirit and God. What happens is Ananias, if you're not familiar with the story, Ananias and his wife sell a piece of property and what they do is they are dishonest with the profit. They're dishonest with the gain. And they're saying, okay, we're giving all of this to church. But in reality, they pocketed some of it for themselves. Peter goes up. He, he says, listen, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Not only have you lied to the Holy Spirit, but you have lied to God. Amen. There's many, many other examples of the Holy Spirit. And God. But what I want us to understand is the Holy Spirit is God because He has all of the attributes of God. God is all knowing. The Holy Spirit is all knowing. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is all powerful. He can grieve. And then here's the other ones He can speak and He has a will. 
he can speak and he has a will. But here's the confusing part, right? He also is his own person. Sometimes my wife looks at my son and my son is doing some type of behavior that um, looks exactly like me, right? So my son, sometimes he'll get up in the morning and he's just really distracted and he won't eat. He won't eat his food. He'll just throw it on the ground, you know, or he's just really energetic and he won't fall asleep and he's just playing in his crib when really he needs to be sleeping through the night. Praise the Lord. He just started doing that a little bit because I've been tired. But my wife has this saying and she says, and some of you might be familiar with it, but she says, you are your father's child, right? In other words, my son is my flesh and blood but he's not me. Does that make sense? God has all, the Holy Spirit has all the attributes of God. He is God, but he's also his own person. And to save you from a two-hour sermon, if you have questions about that, I have about 70 verses in my back pocket that we can go to that show the Holy Spirit with all the attributes of God, but as well being his own person, that he can speak audibly to us. He has a will, and he's there for us in our, in our lives, in our hearts. That's theologically. Practically, we're moving on. Translated, um, we see here in verse 16, if you could pull up verse 16 again, Johanny, it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another who? Counselor, helper, the Greek word here is translated parakletos, which literally means advocate or somebody who intercedes on our behalf, especially in a court settings, right? So that means to us, when we try and do these things that we talked about in our last series, love our spouses, build genuine, free, build genuine friendships, be free from lust, be free from addiction, X, Y, Z, that means we need Help And Jesus has given us that help in the form of the Holy Spirit. The summary of the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Nobody's perfect in this room. I can't even get straight A's in school, let alone do a good job in life. It's hard. We all need help. Have you ever tried to do something just like so intricately and so perfectly that it just, and it doesn't work out, and you get frustrated, and you're like at wit's end? You know, my father-in-law, he just, about a year and a half ago, he had a double knee replacement. And for those of you that are familiar with the surgery, you know that that surgery is intense, and it's hard, and it hurts. And he had the surgery over Christmas, and what happened was they took both of his knees, they replaced them, and immediately they tried to get him back up on his feet, even though he couldn't walk. Immediately they tried to get him back up on his feet to regain his strength. He could not walk without the help of a physical therapist, without the help of his wife, without the help of a cane, sometimes of a walker. And all I'm trying to say is that just as he couldn't walk through this life without somebody to help him, so me and you have somebody promised in Scripture that's right there to help us whenever we need. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as, as ships without the winds, 
branches without sap, like coals without fire. We are useless. Listen, we might have good intentions. We might be good people. But to live up to God's standards, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we are like the schooner that's sitting down on the Delaware with no wind and no sail. We're stuck. We're like coals without a fire. We're like a propane grill with no gas in the middle of winter. Trying to live our Christian life apart from who the Holy Spirit is and apart from his help is like running in wet cement. It's impossible. So listen, you want to do those things in the Sermon on the Mount? You want to have joy in life, not free from pain, because that's a different story. You want to have you want to have joy. You want to have an everlasting life. You want to spend eternity in heaven. You want to be free from insecurities. You want to be free from doubts, even though you're going to have hardships. Ask the Holy Spirit for help and to come in, to come into your life. Because here's what happens, right? When we say, and this is for uh, my man who just got baptized back here, right? It's when we say, I believe in Jesus, and when we believe it in our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes down and he fills our hearts so that when God the Father looks down, he doesn't just see the nasty mess and all the mistakes that we make of how we're messing up. He's saying, listen, God the Father, I know this person's a mess right now, but he's been covered by your blood and he's a work in progress. He's been forgiven. He knows your son. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Do you believe, and this is the question that I just want to ask throughout my whole sermon, do you believe that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, guiding you, and telling you what to do, and washing you with the blood of Jesus? Do you believe that? Because there's a difference. Living a spirit-filled life versus living life on your own strength. Very big difference. Even though we struggle with these things, the Holy Spirit, as our advocate, he takes all our paperwork, sorts it out at court, and he clears us of all charges. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit, as our advocate, he does three things. As our advocate, as our counselor, as our helper. Everybody say, he convicts us, he seals us, and he sanctifies us. The first is he convicts us of our sins, and it says in Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, I don't have this up here, but just listen to this very carefully, okay? Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 says, Remind them, that's me and you, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. That sounds like us, doesn't it? That sounds like us. Because, listen, this Bible verse right here is saying in Titus that we don't have the ability to save ourselves. We don't have the ability to say, okay, God, I'm good enough. I've made it. But this is good news. This is good news because in the later part of the verse, it says this. Pick it up in verse 4. It says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. 
not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. There is nothing that we can do to be saved. God did it by the work of his son through the Holy Spirit. We can't save ourselves from the common cold, let alone save ourselves from death. We need a helper. We need an advocate. We need a counselor. All this means is that the Holy Spirit is not afraid to step in our situations and get his hands dirty. He doesn't wear rubber gloves when he's cleaning. He's not afraid of the dirt that he's going to find behind the toilet. He's not afraid to clean up the dog mess that's on the floor. He's not afraid to step into our circumstances, into our households. He's not afraid to see what they look like because he knows what they look like already. He knows all about you because he lives inside of you. Holy Spirit is not afraid of everything in our past. He's not afraid of the skeletons in our closet and the cobwebs that are still there. He's not afraid. He convicts us of our sin. We need to listen to him. I'm going to echo Deb's, Deb's prayer slash praise. We need to listen to him because I know some of the biggest times in my Christian walk was when I was sitting in the pew not wanting to be there, beat up after a long week on, on some crazy stuff. And I just hear some scripture or somebody comes up to me and, and says, hey, Dylan, what are you struggling with? And I tell him and I confess. Or the pastor is given a sermon and he hears something that just like makes me like, cringe a little bit because I know that's an area in my life where I need some help. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit in our life, and we need to listen to him. So what that looks like on a practical basis is that looks like, you know, sometimes when we get angry, that means listening to the little tap on the shoulder that says, you know what, Uh, I don't think you should be doing that right now, you know. Or that means I always use you know, this example for the kids, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit is that person tapping you on the shoulder saying, you know you shouldn't do this. You know you shouldn't do this. You know you shouldn't do this. And it's in that way that he convicts us of our sin. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. The second thing is he seals us. Everybody say he seals us. He seals us. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, just listen to this. I don't have it on the screen. It says, In him you were also sealed with the promise, with the promised Holy Spirit, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. It's like this. Sometimes I go into ShopRite and I go grocery shopping. Anybody go grocery shopping? Everybody goes grocery shopping. I go grocery shopping, and I end up spending all of my money, because that's what food costs. I spend all my money at the cash register, 
I got my cart, and I walk out. And then you know how they got in the exit? They got the... Um, they got all the real estate books, the house books, and they got all the card books and all the stuff that you can't afford. It's like if I would take one and pick one up, right? I take one, pick one up, and I go to my car, I put my groceries in my car, I open it up, I look at the real estate book, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to flatter myself. I just, you know, spent my whole paycheck on my groceries that I need, but I'm going to flatter myself. And I look through the pages, and I find the biggest mansion that I can find, and it's over a million dollars. And I look at him like, man, that'd be nice. 15 bedrooms, 12 bathrooms, on the beach, palm trees, sun. And then I look at my situation and my circumstance, and I'm like, man, I could never afford that. And I throw it on the front seat of the car. But this Bible verse is telling us this. It's like the realtor, he comes up and he taps on the window. I'm like, okay, who's this dude? What's he want, right? <laughs> And I roll down the window, and he's like, oh, yo, uh, hey, my man, Dylan, uh, that's your name, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, you know that book that you were just looking at? You know that mansion in there? That's called heaven, and I'm the Holy Spirit, and that house that you were looking at, I've already made a down payment on it. I've already taken the mortgage and I've already put a down payment on it and you know what I actually talked to the owner of it and he said his son his son is going to pay in full for the entirety of the mansion so that you can stay there forever and ever and ever and eternity and this is good news listen I've had times in my Christian walk where it's been hard, it's been painful, I've had doubts, I've been ready to throw in the towel, I've been ready to take that booklet and slam it on the seat not knowing if I'm worthy of that mansion or not. But listen, the Holy Spirit is coming into our lives and he seals us. He says that you can't get saved and get unsaved. It's impossible. God is not in the business of trickery. He's not in the business of telling you one thing and then undoing it. It's not how it works. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. We believe in Jesus and he seals us. For eternity. And this is great news. This is great news for people struggling with doubts and insecurities. People who struggle to get out of the house. People who are bogged down by circumstances. People who say, oh, I can't do it this week because I'm just feeling this type of way. Or I'm just stuck in this spot in life and I just can't get out. Jesus has sealed you. God's love doesn't change <laughs> like the high school cheerleader who falls in love with the quarterback. Man. Last thing, um, he sanctifies us. It says in John chapter 17, verse 15 through 19. Again, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the verse on the board, so you're just going to have to follow with me. It says in verse 15, I am not praying that you take them out of the world. Okay, it's talking to us. He's not praying for us to be out of the world, for us to be removed and just sit in our house alone, for us to isolate ourselves, for us to just go and take our kids and they're not going to uh, watch any TV and they're not going to play any video games. They're not going to be exposed to anything. We can't just take our lives and just, we can do that, right? But 
Jesus is telling us not to, and he says, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. All that sanctification means is that me and you, everybody in here, whether you're a pastor, whether you are in a high point of leadership, or whether you just became a Christian, everybody is a work in progress. Everybody is a work in progress. There's not anybody who's higher on the scale, closer to Jesus, because Pastor Joe always uses the analogy of the sand on the beach, right? Every single one of us is like a grain of sand on the beach trying to reach the moon. And even though it looks pretty far from where we're at, from our perspective on the beach as a little grain of sand, in reality, Jesus looking down on us, we're all on the same scale, he sanctifies us. You know, um, and, and this, is, this is probably the hardest thing. You know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts us. He seals us, right? But this is probably the hardest thing, and this is where, you know, you become a Christian, and this is where um, a lot of us sit in our Christian faith, and it's hard, and it's frustrating, you know? Um, the things we struggle with are hard. The pain in our life, I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is here just to... Um, you know, downplay, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be okay, man. You got the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's hard. You know, when I go home and eat dinner and look at the sink, there's going to be all kinds of dishes in the sink. And I'm going to wake up Monday morning and they're still going to be there, <laughs> you know. And I'm going to go to the sink and I'm going to rinse them off, clean them up a little bit. And I actually have a dishwasher. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to rinse the plates off. I'm going to put them in the dishwasher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the dishwasher. Before that, I'm going to put the packet in, right? I'm going to put the dishwashing packet. Don't forget the soap. Put the dishwashing packet in and close the dishwasher. And I'm going to hit start. It's going to clean all my dishes in 45 minutes or less. Amen? And the next day, I'm going to eat dinner, and I'm going to take the dishes out. And <laughs> I'm going to eat off them again. And... There's going to be new places of food that are stuck on the pots and pans, new places of food that are stuck on the plates. And I'm going to rinse them off again. And I'm going to put them back in the dishwasher. And I'm going to put another dishwashing packet in. And then I'm going to close the dishwasher. And then I'm going to hit start again. And then I'm going to take them out. And then they're going to be clean. I'm going to put them back in the cabinet. But then when it comes dinner time again, I'm going to take them out, put some more food on it. And they're going to get dirty. And they're going to sit in the sink for a while. Because this time I got work. And I don't feel like coming home to clean them. And it's going to be hard. Right? And there's going to be food stuck on them for a while. But then all I'm trying to say is this is what the Holy Spirit does in sanctification. Some of us are like all of us are like these dirty plates sitting in our kitchen sink, the ones that we take out, the ones that we wash over and over and over and over again. It's not comfortable to sit in the hot, hot heat of the hot water, of the hard jets, of the soapy water, of the dishwasher like some of our circumstances. It's not easy to sit in some of those, but I can promise you the Holy Spirit through your trials, through your circumstances, through all the mistakes that we made, through all of the stuff that we've been through, the Holy Spirit is working on us. He is sanctifying us. 
over and over and over again. We mess up, and then he cleans us off. He puts the dishwashing packet of Jesus' blood in there, and then he shuts it. He hits start, and we're clean, and then we come out, and we make another mistake. And it's over and over and over and over again until we get to heaven. But the good news is he convicts us, and he seals us, and he sanctifies us all together. All we need to do in church, I'm going to ask you this one more time. Do you believe this is who the Holy Spirit is in your life? Do you listen to him? When you read your Bible, do you hear the Holy Spirit say something to you? When you pray, do you think of stuff that's going on in your life that you need to change? That's the Holy Spirit. So listen, listen, I'm, I'm done. Um, but I, I would just encourage everybody, if you're, if you're sitting here and this, this series is just beginning, you know, but if you're, if you're sitting here and you're like, I, I really know I got this going on in my life and it's really hard for me and I've been through a lot and, um, I'm just having a really tough time, whether it's sin in your life personally or whether it's just people sinning against you. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants you to confess that. And the Holy Spirit wants you to be honest with yourself. Because when you're not honest with yourself, when you're not honest with who you are, when you're not honest with your behavior, that's huge. When you're not honest with your behavior, you're pushing the Holy Spirit out of your life. When you're not honest with your failures and your hardships, you push the Holy Spirit out of your life. I just want to take like 120 seconds and just have a quick moment of silence. And if there's anything on your heart, if there's anything that has been tough this week, whether personally or outside of your control, I, I would just encourage you to say, Jesus, I need help in this area of my life and not just keep it to yourself. I, you know, we, we, we're here to pray for you. Grab a friend. Pastor Joe's up here. I'm up here. Grab a friend and pray. 